Chapter 15, The Courage to Protect Courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It means a strong desire to live, taking the form of readiness to die. G.K. Chesterton It began as a fun shopping date with my daughter Laura, who was 13 at the time. I never dreamed it would end the way it did. Laura decided that she wanted to go where her older brothers and sisters went to shop, Abercrombie and Fitch. There she found a beautiful baby blue sweater and went to the dressing room to try it on. While I was waiting, I noticed a life-size poster of a young man, completely nude, leaning up against a boat dock knee-deep in water. The shot was from behind, but I hadn't asked to see that guy chilling in his birthday suit. I stood there looking at that poster, thinking that this was a clothing store, and that image was totally inappropriate for my daughter and other girls. Finally, I asked if I could please talk with the manager. The young man, who couldn't have been more than 30, came over, and I greeted him with a smile. I shared with him that I had six children and was a good customer. And then I said very kindly, this picture, (laughs) I'm sorry, but it's just indecent. I thought I'd get agreement. Instead, he quipped, I beg to differ with you, sir. By whose standards? I was honestly a little stunned by his response. I replied with measured firmness by any standard of real morality. By that time, Laura had wandered back with her sweater. (laughs) I pointed to the picture of the chiseled Buff Buddy's buns, looked the manager squarely in the eyes, and said, Sir, if that picture is not indecent, then I'd like to ask you to drop your pants and get in a similar pose to that guy in the picture. He looked at the picture, then at my daughter, then back at me. He looked like a deer in the headlights. There was a moment of silence full of anticipation. Then he shook his head and said, "Uh Uh-uh. I probably shouldn't have pressed the point, but I added, Come on. You said that picture is not indecent. Come on, drop them. Uh-uh. I smiled and said, You know, it's a good thing you didn't drop your pants because you could have been arrested for indecent exposure. Then he replied, Well, if you think that's bad, then you should see our catalog. So I went over and opened the catalog. One picture showed four teenage girls in bed with a boy. I'm not sure what they were advertising, maybe bedsheets, because none of them had any clothes on. I pushed the catalog back and said, You know, I'd like you to take my name and phone number. I'd like someone from your corporate office to give me a call. To which he said politely, Sir, I can take your name and address, but they're not interested. They really don't care what you think. My response was kind but firm. Well, I want you to know that I'm just one customer. I'm just a daddy of six kids, but I have a lot of friends. And I want you to know that wherever I go, 
I'm going to use this episode as an illustration of a company that really doesn't care about the future of our young people, their morality, or the future of our nation. I now figure I've shared that story with about 5 million people on various radio broadcasts, at conferences, and now in this book. What America does need is men, real men who won't slither away from an issue or a battle. British politician Edmund Burke gave us this chilling reminder. All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. When it comes to evil invading a man's life and marriage, his children's lives, his work, and his community, the easiest thing for him to do is nothing. We are losing the battle with evil today because far too many good men have done just that. Nothing. Doing nothing is like gravity. It just happens. Nothing is the fruit of passivity. Nothing is the consequence of a lack of conviction. It's the byproduct of lazy leadership at home. Doing nothing expresses no risk, exerts no initiative, and experiences no reward or triumph. Doing nothing is the natural bent of most men. The easiest thing to do is nothing. Cowards do nothing. One of the greatest lies of our day is that one man, one husband, or one dad can't make a difference. As a single man, you can protect the innocence of a single woman you are dating by being a noble man of character and keeping your hands off of her. As a husband and a father, you are the warrior who has been charged with the duty of pushing back against the evil that seeks to prey on your wife, daughters, and sons. Stepping up to courageous manhood starts here. If you don't step up, who will? When I consider my responsibility to protect, I can think of many times when I failed because I didn't act with initiative and determination. Such as when I was a single man, I didn't push back against peer pressure, but instead went with the flow. I am ashamed of the evil that I encouraged or participated in. I also didn't protect my wife, for example, from the demands and expectations of others who had no idea of the load that she was carrying. I remember one of the times our daughters came downstairs ready for church but was wearing an immodest dress. Instead of telling her to go change, I was too wimpy to engage her in what I knew would be a battle, so I said nothing. Another time, a teacher at school was mean-spirited to one of our children and I allowed it to continue unreported far too long. Failures like these, once I confronted them and confessed my passivity and irresponsibility, have made me more determined to step up and act like a man. When you think about protecting your family, perhaps the first things that come to your mind are keeping your house locked, or holding on to your child's hand on a crowded sidewalk or investigating a strange sound downstairs in the middle of the night, or training your children what to do if the house catches on fire. But as I've looked at my responsibilities as protector at home, I've realized that they entail much more. For example, I've established boundaries to protect my marriage. I'm doing battle for my marriage when I don't meet with a woman by myself 
unless the door is open or there's a window so that others can observe. I don't have lunch with other women alone. I don't travel alone in a car with other women. In the past 35 years, I've been alone in a car with another woman twice. I copy Barbara on emails written to women. And I don't have conversations with women on social websites without her knowing. At the same time, I do battle for my marriage by helping Barbara with household chores, continuing to court her, taking her on dates and getaways, and spoiling her with an occasional gift. I attempted to protect my children by training them in the choices they would make. I've already mentioned the Passport to Purity weekend getaways I organized with both sons in their early teens to discuss peer pressure, dating, sex, pornography, alcohol, and more stuff the culture was throwing at them. I continued these conversations with my sons through the years. We've even talked about things like dealing with aggressive girls who pursued them sexually and what to do if they saw a fight breaking out at school. In addition, Barbara and I made a big effort to get to know our kids' friends, especially once they reached junior high and peer pressure kicked into high gear. We wanted to be aware of the good influences and the potentially bad ones. I also attempted to protect my daughters by dating them, and later by interviewing their dates. On these dates, I showed them how a young man was to take care of them, what they should expect from a guy, and how to deal with sexual overtures. I explained why it was important to dress modestly, and I discussed it before they reached the age when they began experiencing peer pressure on the issue. I met with their dates and asked each young man to keep his hands and lips off my daughter. <laughs> I protected my family by working with Barbara to set up boundaries regarding media. We set standards on the types of movies and TV programs we'd watch. We made rules about when and where our children could access the Internet, and we talked about how to protect their privacy and how to guard against sexual predators. If I were a father who still had children at home today, I'd be setting boundaries on cell phones, texting, and video games, as well as installing porn filters on all computers and smartphones. A trained warrior also has battlefield vision that anticipates the future. He scans the horizon and assesses the dangers that are coming so that he can prepare for them, and he realizes he's never off duty. America not only needs warriors at home, it needs men willing to use their influence to protect their communities and even their nation. Like my friend Scott Ford, former CEO of Altel, who told me of the pressure he felt from stockholders who wanted to increase the company's profits by putting pornography on mobile phones they sold. Scott stood firm, and many times he stood alone. Bob Rowling, whose holding company owns Omni Hotels, is another corporate warrior. He pulled all the pornography out of his hotels at a cost of more than $6 million, reasoning that if he didn't want his son to view that stuff, why should he make it possible for other men or their sons to stumble? 
I also think of John Downs, a businessman, husband, father, and grandfather, who refused to do nothing when he heard that casinos were coming to his community. John not only shut them down in his town, but he also heroically stepped up and rallied other good men who eliminated privately owned casinos in the state of Alabama. The scriptures contain a simple admonition that men of all ages need to take to heart. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans chapter 12, verse 21. Men, we are in the midst of a cosmic conflict between good and evil. Wars are made up of battles, and battles demand men who will step up and fight. You may never be a warrior in a corporate boardroom, but you may have the opportunity to step up in other ways. Perhaps it will be a matter of taking a stand against deceptive practices in the company where you work, speaking out against sexual harassment, or talking with your child's teacher if he or she shows an inappropriate film during class. It takes courage for a man to step up and push back against evil. It will mean that you don't go with the flow. You can't fight every battle, but you can get involved when opportunities come your way. It may mean taking a stand for decency in your community. When men don't step up, the cost of doing nothing means that indecency, immorality, and other aberrant behaviors become the norm in the culture. Our children and grandchildren will pay the ultimate price if we turn our heads. When men are not warriors, when men don't push back against evil with good, the evil we were meant to conquer turns around and preys upon us and our descendants. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 59, verses 11 through 15. In all these various engagements with the culture, real men are firm but gracious. Having convictions doesn't give a man a license to be rude or to pummel another person with his beliefs. Truth and love must be kept in proper tension with each other. I have one last admonition. Be ready. <laughs> you never know when you're going to come face to face with an issue that demands courage and stepping up. A number of years ago, a couple of our teens attended a junior high dance at school. Barbara and I decided we'd go and check it out. As we entered the darkened dance hall, we saw about 30 kids off in the darkest corner, doing a dance called Freaking. Now, if you haven't seen this, trust me, it's an imitation of intercourse, but with clothing on. A handful of parents were huddled near a light in a corner watching, grumbling, and grousing about what they saw, but generally doing nothing. I walked past the parents and stood near the swaying crowd. I watched as two boys drew a young lady in between them, literally. As I stood there, deciding what to do, my palms grew clammy, sweating from anticipation. I thought... Here I am, a 45-year-old man, and I'm afraid of some pimple-faced 14-year-old boy and what they're going to think about me? Remember, guys, courage is not the absence of fear, but doing your duty in the face of fear. 
I finally concluded, what they're doing is absolutely indecent. It's ridiculous of me to cave into fear. So I stepped into the crowd of freaking dancers and tapped one of the young men on the shoulder. I smiled sternly and told him, knock it off. I challenged him to treat the young lady with dignity and respect. He had a very blank look on his face. I could see him thinking, whatever. His response didn't matter because one small step had brought victory. Feeling more courageous, I approached another trio of gyrating teens and busted them up. I looked over my shoulder, and a bunch of dads were now joining me. Here's the point, guys. God made men to pierce the darkness. He didn't make us to fight every battle, but He did make us to stand for truth, to embrace standards. And when men don't embrace convictions, they will be paralyzed and neutralized by the culture. They won't step forward and can't step up because they don't have the mandate of truth resonating in their souls. In the absence of real men pushing back against evil, the culture continues its downward spiral and becomes increasingly shameless, lewd, and vulgar. Do not be overcome by evil. Step up and kindly overcome evil with good.